No, no, never. You should never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. One of you is going to betray me. What are you, who, who is it? It's the one I'm going to give this piece of bread to. What are you talking about? You can't go with me now. Why can't I follow you now? I'll lay my life down for you. You will disown me three times. Peter, what are you, what are you talking about? And you know the way to where I am going. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I am the way and the truth and the life. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. All right, well, we've been following a conversation uh, with Jesus and his disciples um, in the upper room. So those of you who've been here for over a number of Sundays, you would have been tracking that with us. And uh, so would you open your Bibles, if you have it with you, or a smartphone or a tablet, and turn to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 16. All right, because we're going to be reading it out loud. So John, chapter 16, and we're going to start at verse 16, in fact. So here we go. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And then let's jump to verse 28. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now, we, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your immense love for us. That you would send your son, Jesus of Nazareth, to become a human being and to live amongst us and to show us what you are like, God, to demonstrate your love, your power, your majesty. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you we've just been able to celebrate you uh, here in, in New Zealand and over Easter weekend, celebrating who you are and what you did in your death on the cross for us, for the whole world, rising again from the dead and ascending into heaven. And we thank you Jesus, that we can celebrate you. We thank you that you're the head of the body and that you're here with us right now. And we welcome you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you're the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
We thank you, you're the comforter who comes alongside and you are with us. And you reveal Jesus to us. And so we ask that you would encourage us this morning and give us ears to hear what it is you're saying to us. We ask that in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. All right, well, it was just under three years ago that my wife Karen and I, we were in, in Rome getting to travel around and see some sights, and we stepped into St. Peter's Basilica. And you can't, can't quite see it there, but it's a really incredibly spectacular uh, cathedral. Um, it's uh, kind of like a cathedral on steroids, actually. Uh, it's just the most amazing place. And maybe some of you have visited cathedrals in Europe and, and stepped in there and, and experienced that solemn grandeur and the feelings of awe that get evoked when you're inside them. And for the last few weeks, we've been listening in on this conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in this upper room um, where he knows he's facing his crucifixion, his death, and then his resurrection. And we've been in the Gospel of John, chapters 13 to 16. And before I pick up, you know, where Monica left off last week, I want to give a little bit of context. And that's because in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see Jesus really active amidst the hustle and bustle of life or he's in towns and villages, and he's in the, in the marketplace, and he's dealing with the crowds and contentious Pharisees and a workload so busy that his own family thought he was going crazy, all right? And then the three Gospels, they show us Jesus the servant. He's a man of action. He's on the move. He's preaching, teaching, and demonstrating his kingdom. And then we come to the Gospel of John, and it's like you're, you, you're in this busy, bustling street, it's like you step into a cathedral. And suddenly it's very quiet. And it's majestic. And it's awe-inspiring. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word became flesh. Became human and lived among us. We beheld His glory. You're just in awe of this Jesus. And that's the tone of the whole of the Gospel of John. It's pretty amazing. And then John gives us some of the most famous and frequently used verses that we Christ followers love. How about John 3.16? How about that? John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. John 8, verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. John 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that what? That you might love one another. John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the yeah, and you know, I could go on, you guys. It's just an absolutely amazing gospel. You know, St. Augustine is attributed with saying that the gospel of John is deep enough to float an elephant, but shallow enough for a child not to drown in it. And it is an absolutely amazing gift to us. And then, of course, we have this unparalleled upper room discourse in chapters 13 to 16 and 17. For Jesus' final teaching to his disciples, where he prepares them for his departure, and he assures them that the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he'll, he'll continue to be with them. And that brings us back to chapter 16, the verses we heard read out a moment ago. 
And, you know, as I was preparing for this message, I was just struck by the immense love of Jesus. Like those verses that we read. It's like Jesus like, come on, guys, can't you get it? Um, it's out of his love for them. It's out of his love for them that he wants them to know that he's going to leave them, but he's not going to leave them as orphans. He is going to come back. And actually, he has something more for them than that. So I want us to reflect on the fact that, that Jesus knows that he's going to face the horrors of death by crucifixion, the horror of a satanic evil being unleashed on him, and even facing and overcoming hell itself. And that after all that, he would come back. He faced the evils of hell itself, and he defeated the spirit of death, defeated Satan himself, which is just awesome. And, you know, Jesus, he's the superhero for these disciples, and he's leaving them, and they are incredibly sad. And what's interesting in this chapter of 16, Jesus reminds us, in fact, throughout the whole Upper Room Discourse, that he knows that we are weak. He knows that I'm weak. He knows that I can be fearful. I can give in to worry. And he knows that. And, you know, when I was in intermediate school and playing competitive basketball, um, our coach would be very clear with us in terms of what he wanted us to do. He probably repeated his message dozens of times because he, he, want, he wanted us to get it. Uh, and you know why that was? Uh, because we were thick. Um, you know, we, 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 we just needed constant reminding. I mean, we did. I thought, why is the coach always telling us the same thing? And, and sadly, everybody, Jesus repeats the message to his disciples, um, and he repeats it to us. In John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And then again, to end his beautiful and rich upper room corridor before chapter 17 and his prayer to his father. The last verse of chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have what? I have overcome the world. So Jesus acknowledges that living in a fallen, broken world means we will experience trouble. And we do. And so the question for us who follow Jesus is, how well do I know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? Do you actually know him? Or is he more like an acquaintance? How well do you actually know Jesus? You know, in the early 1980s, I was living in San Jose, California. And one Sunday afternoon in autumn, some friends and I uh, went to play a a touch American football game in a huge grass paddock. And the field was quite muddy, and so we didn't really get very far, and, and we had about 30 minutes of frustration, really. And then we noticed on the side of the field, these two guys were standing there, and they asked if they could play. And we said, sure. And so they, one, one joined each team. And then we had about 15 minutes more of really not getting anywhere. And then the guy on our team was asked, hey, would you like to play quarterback? And that's a very important position. And he said, yeah, sure, I'll give it a try. Well, this guy was amazing. He could just throw the football with incredible precision. And our team just marched down the field time and time again. And we ended up scoring 28 points. And the other team scored zero points. Um, and then the game finished. 
and everybody was heading home, and one of my teammates came up to me and said, Eric, he said, do you realize that we, we had Steve DeBerg on our team? And then it struck both of us. We were like, oh, my gosh. Um, and that's because at that time, he was the backup quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers professional football team. <laughs> and we were like, that makes complete sense. Um, uh, there's no way we were going to lose. And it was just the most awesome feeling uh, that, that you could have. And that's really what Jesus is trying to remind his disciples here. He's saying that, you know, with me on your side, you're, you're, you can overcome anything at all. And so here we have in John 16, verse 33, Jesus wants us to know that we know, that we know that he overcomes a world riddled with sin, sickness, and death. And what is more, he offers us his unique peace. In me, you may have peace. So notice the, the location of that peace. Where is it? It's not in religion. It's not in church going. It's not in church activities. It's not in friendships. It's not in healthy eating or yoga or in mindfulness or a thousand other options. What's the location of the peace? It is in Jesus. And that means we need to know Jesus if we're to experience his unique peace. You know, part of my role here at BBC is to journey with people who are terminally ill. And it's an immense privilege to get to do that. And what I find in journeying with people in, in health crises in particular is that I find that people either they know the peace of Jesus, I tend to see it in their eyes, or they don't have his peace. And for whatever reason, it eludes them. And you know what I've learned from that? I've learned that we don't wait until a health crisis or some other crisis comes into your life to reach out to Jesus and to get to know him and experience him. It's far better to know Jesus right now and to know his peace that overcomes than it is to ignore him until, the, until problems come and until at that time you hope that you can overcome your questions, your disappointments, and even your possible anger towards God. Because some people I interact with, that's what happens for them. Moving forward in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul speaks straight to this. Where one of my favorite promises, and maybe yours too, is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be up on the screen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds where? In Christ Jesus. And you know, everybody, I don't know about you, but we got plenty in our lives and in our world to worry about, don't we? We have financial pressures. We have tensions and hassles at work. Maybe a restructuring is going on at work, and it's creating real questions and concerns for you. You know, depression and other mental health issues that are going on. Marriages in crisis. Families under huge stress at times. Or maybe a cancer diagnosis or some other serious health problem that you're facing or a friend or a relative. You know, and now it looks like Donald Trump is starting a war in the Middle East. Uh, and we don't need that, do we? Um, so let's listen again to the promise of peace in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, but this time in the message translation. It's going to be up on the screen. Don't fret or worry. 
Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Isn't that great? Let's read that last line together. together. It's wonderful what happens when Christ dispels worry at the center of your life. So there it is, everybody. You have this divine exchange. My worry for Christ's peace. Because remember, Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. He, he said that's going to happen. And therefore, we really have two options. We either have trouble and worry here, or what do we have over here? I have Christ and peace. And so where are you in that? Are you on this side, or are you on this side? Jesus waits for us to deeply embrace him and to cast our cares upon him and to always to allow his peace to rule in our hearts. That's his promise for every single person who comes to know him. And if, and if you're not knowing his peace, then, then right now this morning is an opportunity for you to respond to him. And so this morning we've had this brief step into the cathedral of the Gospel of John where we've reflected on the, the wonder and the majesty of Jesus who paid this ultimate price for us. He rose from the dead, and today he brings us transforming peace and hope into the world. So, what's going on for you this morning? What is it that you need to bring to this divine exchange? I'm going to invite the musicians to come out, but before that, I'm going to invite you. Let's have, let's have everybody stand up, please. Everybody stand up in your seats. And... What is it that you need to bring into the light, Jesus' light, to hand it to him? What's going on in your life? What do you need to hand Jesus? If you're comfortable, maybe lift your hands out in front of you or lift them up. Don't worry about people around you. Just give that thing to Jesus and do this beautiful exchange that he wants to do.